It remains an unfortunate fact of life that money can't buy happiness. It can, however, buy you a new shirt, magnet, sticker, mug, or journal featuring exclusive designs related to this podcast. By visiting a historyofjapan.threadless.com and buying some of the items featured there, you get yourself something beautiful and help support this podcast at the same time. Again, that's a historyofjapan.threadless.com. Visit the store today. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 3, Episode 20, The Emperors of Legend. Bonus episode. Up until now, I've expressed a fairly skeptical opinion of the Nihon Shoki, which I'm afraid may have come off a bit harsh. It's not that I don't enjoy reading the mythical story of Japan's self-conceived past, far from it. However, far too often I see it cited as if it's a literal history when it really is mostly figurative. The Nihon Shoki should absolutely not be understood as a reliable accounting of history, but as a collection of myths which provided a means for the leaders of Japan in the 700s to conceive of their own place in the wider sphere of East Asia. It does become slightly more accurate in the later sections, but even these were written with an explicit pro-imperial family bias. One of the primary issues is its word choice. The Japanese word traditionally translated as emperor is tenno. It is written as a compound of two kanji and essentially means heavenly sovereign. The earliest rulers of Yamato were petty regional kings, and it wasn't until Emperor Temmu that the title of tenno was actually used. The authors of the Nihon Shoki retroactively grant this title to Temmu's predecessors. As for the content, the stories in the Nihon Shoki are believed to have been amalgamated from the mythic stories of the clans that supported the Yamato sovereign. For the purposes of this episode, I will guide you through the highlight reel of some of the emperors, but we'll take a much more exhaustive look at the details of their lives next season. Let's begin with the founder of the Yamato dynasty, Emperor Jimmu. Born in southern Kyushu as the youngest of four sons, Emperor Jimmu took up the task of forming a government to rule Japan. He and his brothers departed Kyushu, seeking a more suitable place from which to govern the nation. When they reached Naniwa, which is modern-day Osaka, a local chieftain fought against them and killed Itsuse, Emperor Jimmu's older brother. Jimmu concluded that they had lost because they fought facing east, which set them against the sun. Because he was descended from the sun goddess Amaterasu, he believed that fighting toward that direction would always result in defeat for him. He proceeded to follow a three-legged crow along a path that would allow them to battle from the west against the same foe. This time they won, and continued in their search for an ideal seat of government. Their travels led them to the province of Yamato, 
where already a ruler named Nigihayahi sat upon the throne. This chieftain also claimed divine descent, but he abdicated his rule and supported Jimmu instead. Thus was the Imperial Court of Japan founded. Emperor Jimmu would rule for many years and die when he was 126, according to the Nihon Shoki, which often exaggerated the lengths of the early emperor's lives and reigns. When Emperor Jimmu passed, a power struggle erupted within the imperial family. One of the emperor's sons, who was born from a low-ranking wife, began making plans to secure his own claim and seize the throne by violence. The crown prince, Kamuyawimimi, was encouraged by a younger brother to kill the upstart prince before both of them became victims of his schemes. When it came time to do the deed, Kamuyawamimi could not do it, and the younger brother took his weapon and swiftly performed the execution himself. The crown prince abdicated his claim, and the younger brother ascended the throne, and he became known as Emperor Suize. I'm going to skip ahead here to the 10th emperor, who was remembered as Emperor Sujin. From the very beginning of Sujin Tenno's story, he is portrayed as a benevolent reformer who wishes to harmonize the imperial government so that the gods will be pleased and the people made prosperous and happy. In the fifth year of his reign, the Nihon Shoki claims that there was an outbreak of pestilence, most likely smallpox, which devastated the country. The following year, rebellions broke out across the land as peasant farmers abandoned their plots and took up banditry and sedition. Things looked pretty bad for Sujin, so he took action. Believing the plague to be a consequence of offending one of the gods, he reformed the existing system of worship, giving various kami their own separate shrines instead of housing all of them in a pantheon at his capital. The building of these new shrines did not appear to sway the gods, and the pestilence continued. At his wit's end, Sujin sought divination and discovered that Omononushi, one of the aspects of the god Okuninushi, had sent the plague to reveal his displeasure that he wasn't being worshipped. He wanted his own dedicated priesthood, which Sujin Tenno was happy to establish. After the emperor followed more specific instructions, Omononushi was satisfied and the plague finally relented. Although the emperor had solved the problem, many of his subjects persisted in their rebellion, and some of his more powerful relatives gathered these dissidents into armies. In response, the emperor appointed four generals to quell rebellions and restore order in the areas surrounding the Yamato region in Kansai. Each general was given command over a different direction, specifically north, west, northwest, and east. 
these generals were referred to as the Shido Shogun. A few rebel leaders managed to march their armies toward Yamato, but they were defeated. And after the dust of battle had cleared, Emperor Sujin ordered a census taken and taxes collected. He divided the country into 137 provinces and appointed governors over them. When he couldn't decide on an heir between two of his sons, he interpreted their dreams to gain insight and chose one to inherit his throne and the other to govern the east. Toward the end of his life, he busied himself with agricultural infrastructure projects like artificial ponds and lakes. Sujin Tenno is believed by many historians to have actually existed, obviously much later than his attested reign from 97 BCE to 30 BCE. Reading his story reminds me acutely of the legendary Roman kings before the founding of the Republic, particularly that of Numa, the king who allegedly built all of the temples in Rome and was especially spiritually sensitive. After Sujin came his son, Emperor Suinin, who likewise introduced religious reform, allegedly centering the worship of the sun goddess Amaterasu, arguably the most prestigious deity in the Shinto pantheon, to the Issei Grand Shrine, and was partly responsible for enhancing the spiritual significance of Mount Fuji. After Suinin was Emperor Keiko, whose primary focus was enlarging the territory over which he ruled. Either he or his son Yamato Takeru, the Nihonshoki and Kojiki disagree, fought battles on Kyushu to subdue independent tribes. Later, Yamato Takeru is said to have led armies against independent areas of Chugoku as well as in the east, and even though young Takeru never ascended the throne because his father outlived him, he is still accounted as a legendary hero of the imperial court. Next comes Emperor Seimu, who was said to have implemented a system of regional governorship which he opened to people of merit, whether they were indigenous tribal leaders, imperial family members, or pre-existing regional leaders. After Seimu Tenno, Emperor Chuai was crowned, the first emperor who was not the direct issue of his predecessor, but was instead his nephew. He was a son of the legendary prince Yamato Takeru, who was Emperor Suinin's son and Emperor Seimu's brother. He seemed to have been eager to take up his father's mantle as a mighty warrior and immediately set about suppressing a revolt of a tribal group called the Kumaso people who lived on the southwestern end of Kansai. The night before the battle, his wife Jingu was possessed by a kami who urged Emperor Chuai not to engage the Kumaso, but instead to turn his eyes toward a promised land in the west. Chuai Tenno was enraged. How dare this spirit interfere with his carefully laid plans? The Nihon Shoki further records that the emperor was skeptical that the promised land even existed. 
ignoring the Kami's advice, he struck at the Kumaso and was killed along with most of his army. His wife, Jinggu, kept his death initially a secret as she prepared a follow-up attack against the Kumaso. Her vengeance was swift, the tribal group was crushed, and she was now the de facto ruler of the Yamato court. The late Chuai Tenno's son was too young to rule, and so tradition holds that Jinggu successfully lobbied to be named as regent. If her name sounds familiar, it's probably because we discussed her a little bit last season when we explored the mysterious ruler Queen Himiko of Yamatai, a leader who does not appear in the National Chronicles in spite of the high likelihood that she actually existed. Nevertheless, Jinggu rallied the loyal clans and raised a mighty army, intending to heed the advice of the spirit which her husband had so carelessly disregarded. She invaded the Promised Land, which was the Korean Peninsula, and after a three-year campaign, successfully subdued both Baikje and Silla, and established a colony on the peninsula named Mimana. The Empress's son, with whom she was pregnant when the Emperor died and wasn't born until three years later, ascended the throne in 270 CE, when he had reached the age of 70. Empress Jinggu did so well as the monarch of Japan that he apparently saw no reason to interfere until after her death. We remember him as Emperor Ojin. As for the record of Emperor Ojin, the Nihon Shoki testifies that he was a powerful king, but also loved justice. He sent one of his ministers on a survey mission to the far end of the country. The minister's younger brother took the opportunity to tell the emperor that his older brother had been plotting against him, so Ojin recalled him. To determine which of the brothers was the guilty party, he commanded that they endure the ordeal of boiling water. A pot was brought to a rolling boil, and both men thrust their arms within. The younger brother's arm was burned, but the older brother's arm remained whole and unscathed. While the method for determining guilt is certainly horrific by modern standards, the story was probably included to set Ojin apart as a leader who sought the truth rather than being led astray by deceptive courtiers. Continuing his mother's supposed domination of Korea, he put a new king on the throne of Baekje when the former sovereign had passed away. Many historians would agree that he probably actually existed, though many scholars date his reign a bit later, more like 370 to 390 rather than 270 to 310. Obviously, his Baekje kingmaking is also disputed. After he died, he was deified and eventually his kami would be adopted by the Hata clan, who called him Hachiman, and venerated him as a god of warriors. After Ojin Tenno, the next ruler of note is Emperor Anko, who successfully defended his coronation against a coup attempt by his brother, who had previously been named crown prince, but lost favor with the court, who disapproved of his incestuous relationship with his sister. 
Anko is primarily notable because he is the first Japanese monarch of record to have been assassinated. He was reportedly killed by Prince Maiowa in the middle of a drunken rage. This sudden death of Anko Tenno sparked a succession dispute between his brothers, who raised loyalist armies and contended with one another until at last the man who would be remembered as Emperor Yuryaku succeeded in crushing all opposition. The Nihon Shoki testifies that Yuryaku Tenno was arbitrarily cruel and tyrannical. It also contains an amusing story of when the rude monarch invited a kami of thunder to his palace. The emperor failed to practice the customary cleansing ritual before his special guest arrived, and the thunder god was offended and enraged as a result. Yuryaku Tenno fled the frightening kami's presence and, after it had been safely transported back to its usual ground of veneration, he often visited its shrine and gave generous offerings out of fear. After Yuryaku Tenno, another armed struggle for the throne erupted, and the man we remember as Emperor Seinei emerged victorious over his brother, Prince Hoshikawa. Seinei Tenno did not father any children of his own, but adopted two alleged grandsons of a previous emperor. After the successive reigns of emperors Kenzo and Ninken came Emperor Buretsu, and yet another succession crisis. The Nihon Shoki paints Buretsu Tenno as a cruel and arbitrarily tyrannical dictator, directly comparing him with the legendary King Di Xin of the Shang Dynasty. This is another area where the Kojiki presents an alternate view, that he was simply another emperor and not given to wanton cruelty. Emperor Buretsu would die without a direct heir, and the man the court would find to succeed him was allegedly a great-great-grandson of Emperor Ojin, a man remembered as Emperor Keitai. The troubling circumstances of his succession might explain why the authors of the Nihon Shoki felt the need to defame Buretsu in order to uplift his successor. While Japan would adopt many ideas from China, the Mandate of Heaven was not one of them. Rather than open the door to non-Yamato-descended clans to potentially usurp the office of Tenno, the authors of the Nihon Shoki may have fabricated atrocities and subsequently over-exaggerated the successor's virtue. It seems that Keitai Tenno's legitimacy was indeed questionable to the people in Yamato province, and he first established his capital far to the north of the traditional seat of power. After 20 years, he finally moved his court to Yamato province, and for a while, everything was fine. When a rebellion broke out in Kyushu, he appointed a shogun from the Mononobe clan to quell the revolt three of his sons would later serve successively as emperors themselves, becoming emperors Ankan, Senka, and Kimmei. Kimmei Tenno has the distinction of being the first emperor of Japan whom historians believe can be ascribed dates which can be verified.
He is considered the first monarch of the Asuka period, and we talked about him at length in episode 9, Buddhism Comes to Japan. This is the last episode of this season, and I'll be taking my customary two-week break before the pod returns on December 7th. In the meantime, please support this podcast by visiting our online store, ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com, and getting your friends and family some sweet history-themed gifts like mugs, phone cases, and hoodies for the holiday season. Feel free to get yourself a little something as well. I'm sure you deserve it.